You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. If you got your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, and are you able? And uh, Jesus, we talked last week about the rich young ruler and Jesus has a way of going straight to the heart of the matter. Uh, and he, he did that with the uh, rich young ruler. And because at some point, here's the deal, a decision is going to have to be made that's going to challenge our very core and character if we're going to follow him or not. Or we're going to choose comfort and convenience and our reputation over the kingdom and thy will be done. Does that make sense? At some point, that's gonna, we're, all, we're all faced with that. And the question for discipleship becomes which cup are you willing to drink from? Which cup are you going to be willing to drink from? And in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, after all that just took place, with the disciples and they're seeing how Jesus was dealing with this young ruler and breaking down right to the heart of the matter. This is what pops up. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee came up to him saying to him, teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. They said, we are able. Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten, became, the, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, it's hard for me to even fathom why after everything these disciples have seen, that they would come up to Jesus and say, hey, 
We want you to do whatever we ask of you. And instead of Jesus going, boys, you have, you, hey, come on now. Jesus goes, all right, what do you want me to do? I bet that surprised them more than the answer. Because here's what they were asking. And it's and after Jesus done went to the heart of the matter with the rich young ruler, they still didn't understand. Because all they're thinking about is the external dignity and pomp. Come on. And all that that comes with royalty. They were only able to perceive what it looked like outwardly. And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking. And again, he goes straight to the heart of the matter. And he says, the baptism, he asked them, are you able? Why, yes, we're able. Okay, but you're still only thinking outwardly. You're not thinking inwardly. Because he said, the baptism which I am being baptized in, you're going to be baptized. And they're not the same baptisms. The first baptism is 907 in the Greek. That's the concordance number. That is that total immersion. Not sprinkling, not I'm just going to dip my toe in it. Come on. See, that's what's so significant about baptism is that the whole man is dead. He said, the baptism that I'm being totally immersed in, the baptism, he says, to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism, that baptism is 908. Overwhelmed, oppressed, and afflicted. Come on. Overwhelmed, oppressed, and afflicted. Come on. How many times in, in our walk with Christ have you felt overwhelmed, oppressed, and afflicted? I'm telling you right now, we stepped out just wanting to serve God. And the next thing I know, we are oppressed, overwhelmed, and afflicted. All we wanted to do was serve God. But here's the deal. All we could see was the service part. Doing the great things. Having a ranch. Having, doing, all we seen was the external things. Come on. 
But to get down to the nitty gritty of what was going on, we were also going to have to be able to drink from the cup of affliction and being overwhelmed when our emotions and our feelings were saying, run. Are you able? That's the question. Listen, your salvation, do not get me wrong. Your salvation is free. Eternal life's free. But to walk in the anointing, come on, it's going to cost you. The anointing of God to be able to really minister to the heart of people and set them free. It's what he said. He said, I give my life a ransom, not as a a ransom. I give my life a ransom. In other words, I'm giving my life so that the chains and the bondage that people are in can be free. I'm willing to drink that cup and walk this road so other people can be free. And we just happen to live in a fallen, failing world system. Come on. Are you willing to be oppressed, afflicted, overwhelmed in the midst of all of this and still love people, still believe, still speak? Come on. Do, let me tell you something. Ministry is work. I don't care what, there's just no way about it. Ministries work. I don't care if, if children's church working, nursery, it's work. It's work trying to get everybody to come. It's work to try to find somebody. It's work. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? It's work. It takes work. It takes somebody, come on, being able to take phone calls. It, it's work. To be turned down, it's work. Come on, to get, it's just work. And you're like, well, yeah, but I don't want to work when I come to church. Well, no, you are the church. You're coming to a building that's, come on, that's facilitating ministry. Come on, what you came to this morning is a pep rally. That's what you came to. To get me through another week without killing somebody. without cussing somebody. Come on. Are y'all hearing me? I need this pepper alley every Sunday, every Wednesday. If you have a hard time in the middle of the week, you need to be here Wednesday because you need a pump up about Wednesday. Come on. See, we gather together to make it, to be encouraged. Come on. See, you're not just coming to church. You're coming to a pep rally. And it may be your week to pep somebody up and to encourage somebody. Or it might be your week to sit and be encouraged. Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, we're all in this together. I love my Sunday mornings 
in, in my office with, with Kobe and, and whoever else comes in there because we just sit there and bounce things off. And there's sometimes we cry and there's a lot of times we laugh. But we sit in there and I'm telling you, we, we just encourage each other. Come on. Because we're all, get, we're all busy. Are we able to drink from that cup? When our flesh wants to just quit and run, not show up, lay in bed. Come on. Jesus told him, look, places of honor are not, that's not mine to determine. That's going to be determined later. That's going to be determined later. See, what you do right here now matters later. How we walk this Christianity out now is going to be determined later. Everybody, listen to me, everybody's going to heaven. Just not everybody's staying. <laughs> yeah, it didn't get a lot of claps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> Listen, places of honor are going to be determined later, but right now, he's saying, don't let the power go to your head. That's what, listen, right in the middle of Jesus' ministry, he's having to deal and do ministry stuff that's work. He had 10 other guys who are now becoming indignant and have got a bad taste in their mouth for two of the other people that were on the team. Come on. And the one thing that Jesus needed was unity with everything that's going on. And unity's easy to preach. It's hard to pull off. But Jesus stopped right then and he began to deal with it because he knew that these two guys want a place of honor and pomp and dignity and deity. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? He had to stop and he had to deal with that. And Jesus said, let me tell you something. The, the lords of the Gentiles, they rule it and lord it over them. He said, it's not so with you. The greatest among you is going to be servant." He said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. And then they all stepped back and said, okay, come on. That's just part of ministry. That's just how ministry works. All right, we'll get our crap together. <laughs> that's what, and that's what he did. He stopped and he dealt with it. See, because discipleships is about being overwhelmed. Being totally immersed with emotional feelings, following after him. Come on. And everyone that is held captive as you're working and walking this thing out are going to be see that and they're going to go, man, that's just Christianity. We're just working it out in this fallen earth and fallen world. Some get it. Some don't get it. Some get a hold of it. Some don't get a hold of it. Come on. See, in the midst of all the crazy that's going on, we have to stay the course because at the end of the day, we have an assignment. You were born with an assignment. 
Everybody in this building, everybody walking on this planet, you were born with an assignment. And so no matter what's going on, no matter what your age, no matter where you're at or where you pick up in all this, at some point you've got to realize you have to keep going forward because you got an assignment. And that assignment is always on the inside of you churning, just churning and churning. And it doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. There's something inside of you. I've got an assignment. And it's always pulling on you. See, being a servant doesn't always look like a place of honor. Let me just say that. It doesn't always look like a place of honor. But it is humbling. <laughs> See, in the process, this is what we talk about a lot here. The process prepares us for us to be able to drink from that cup. Because at some point, point in the midst of the process that we're going through, it's working on our inside so that when we're faced with a mountain or faced with a giant or faced with a storm, we're able to speak to it. Come on and see the victory even in the midst of what's going on. In the midst of being overwhelmed, in the midst of being afflicted, the process prepares us to speak to it no matter what our eyes are seeing, no matter what our ears are hearing. Come on. See, are you able to say, thy will be done? Thy will be done. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Come on, Destin brought a powerful word Wednesday night. What did you, what did you say? <laughs> As a title of a name, what did you say? See, this is what the process addresses. It addresses our words. Your words become the very weapon that defeats the enemy, that moves the mountains, that calms the storms. Come on, what was Jesus always saying? Speak to it. Speak to it. He would say, what do you want? He's never scared of our wants. Come on. He's not scared. He wants us to begin to speak. Mark 11, 23, 24. Therefore, say to you, therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted to you. That's the most powerful verse in the whole Bible. I'm telling you, it will save your life. Save your life. All things for which you pray and ask, believe. All things for which you pray and ask, believe. Did it say, oh, some of the things that I can maybe get to? No, it said all things. I, I'm, God cares about the littlest things. I mean the littlest things. 
Marvin was telling me about him and Pecos praying over a dog that a hog tore up. Let me tell you, we've been, we've prayed over dogs. We've prayed over horses. We've prayed over bulls. We've, come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? God cares about all that. He just says, pray, ask, believe. Pray, ask, believe. Pray, ask, believe. That's what, that's our part of the job is to pray, bring it before him, speak it out, ask it, and then believe. Come on, it's, it's that simple. But the thing is, this is all from the heart. It's not from the head. When you begin to pray and you begin to ask and you begin to believe, the reason he said believe is because that's from the heart. And you may have to keep praying and asking until it gets to here. Because the enemy's always going to be fighting you here. Oh, that ain't working. That ain't working. He didn't, oh, all that went out with the disciples. Come on. How many times y'all heard that? All the miracles went out with the disciples. It's out there. It's out there. What are you going to believe? See, obstacles, mountains, giants are always going to have to be addressed. They're going to have to be spoken to. They're going to have to be prayed about. And you're going to have to believe. Come on. Come on. We're all faced with a huge obstacle right now. $5 a gallon gas. Is that going to keep you from doing what you're supposed to do? It's sure going to hurt. <laughs> right? It's going to hurt. Who's your provider? Right? Who's your provider? See, what becomes difficult is when people who love you don't understand where the Holy Spirit's taking you. I mean, I can't say that strong enough. When people who love you don't understand where the Holy Spirit's taking you because it's not reasonable and there seems to be a better way of going about it. See, this is why it's called discipleship. Look in Acts 21. Verse 10. Now Paul and Silas, they have made their way on their journey. And people are telling them the whole time, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul steadily headed to Jerusalem. Verse 10. He's staying at a house now and he's been there a couple of days. And as we were staying there for some days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judah and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. 
Come on. I just said, well, I borrowed that belt. I don't know. (laughs) Verse 12. And when we had heard this, we had well, as well as the local residents began begging him, Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, he fell si- we fell silent, remarking the will of the Lord be done. That's a powerful, that's powerful. And it, you can even read where it says the spirit was telling these people to tell Paul what was coming. How are you going to handle that? When good people hearing from the Holy Ghost are telling you, don't go because you're going to be bound. And they're going to hand you over to the Gentiles. At some point in your life, in your walk, are you going to be able to go, God, I know what you called me to do, regardless of the obstacles, the mountains and the giants that I'm facing. Because let me tell you something. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. Now, I don't know how that jacks up your theology or not. Because I'm telling you, if you're a charismatic in here or Pentecost, at some point you have heard the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. (laughs) Let me tell you, I've seen old ladies hit the ground and glasses shoot off their head. And I'm thinking the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Feet kicked up, dress come down. thinking, wait a minute, something ain't lining up here. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. The Holy Spirit's reminding Paul, here's where you're headed, boy. Here's what's awaiting you. Are you able to drink from this cup? Come on, are y'all with me? See, there's always going to be moments that will try to persuade us from our assignment. Our assignment is usually on the other side of the mountain that you can't see over, but God can. All you're seeing is a mountain, but God's looking over it going... That's where you're headed. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. He didn't say you were going to go around it. He said you were going through it. When Elisha was in the tent and his servant walked out and the army was surrounding them and he goes back in and he says, oh, master, we're in trouble. The army has come, found us, and is surrounding us. 
He said, boy, Lord, show him there's more of us than there is of them. He walks back outside of that tent and he sees chariots of fire all around the mountaintops. Boy, that's a confidence booster. Huh? See, at some point you've got to remember there's always more you. He was seized. He was delivered to the Jews' hands. Not only to the Jews, but then he was in the hands of the Romans. They even had conspiracies to try to kill him. They moved him to Caesarea. Tried, and then he was tried by Felix. He was tried by Festus. He went before Agrippa. And now he's going to Rome. And he finds himself in a wreck. And he even warned them. We better not go. Huh? Look in Acts 27. I love, th this story fascinates me. Always has. Says Paul began to admonish them. Paul is a prisoner. Paul is in a prison boat, bound in hand, and he tells the captain and the pilot who are running the ship, boys, I don't think we ought to go. Can you imagine? Look what he says. Paul began to admonish them and said to them, men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be attended with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but our lives. Oh, man. Look in verse 14. See, discipleship is always going to come with a few shipwrecks. Right. <laughs> yeah. But before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called, it was a northeastern. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Verse 21. And when they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst. This man chained and bound, come on, stands up in their midst. And now listen, don't get, don't misread something in here. Listen, this ain't Paul going, I told you so. Which it sounds like he's saying, I told you so. But this is what Paul says. And when they had gone a long way without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. And yet now I urge you to keep, your, keep up your courage for there shall be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Now, let me just put this into perspective. Paul tells them, he says, I perceive now the Holy Spirit's 
stirring on the inside of him. Boys, this is what's fixing to happen. And it happened. Listen, God is working on, listen, that boat was full of Gentiles. The very lowest of the low. Come on, when God casts a net, he gets the little fish and he gets the big fish. Come on, Paul's going to the very head of the Gentile Gentiles. But along the way, God's making sure we're going to get everybody. Come on, man, do y'all see this? And you have to step back and you have to see the love of God in the midst of the storm that rushes upon us. When we're overwhelmed, when we're afflicted, God's still casting a net. Yes, that is so good. And God has casted his net. Sometimes a person that ain't got a say still needs to stand up and say his say so that he can understand everybody around you that God has the final say. You want me to say that again? Sometimes you ain't got a say in the matter of the ship. You ain't the captain of the ship. You ain't even the pilot of the ship. You ain't even a... And yet you may have to stand up and say so that later on they know God has the final say. Come on. So see, that wasn't a I told you so. That was a God's going to have the final say. Because here's the deal. Paul always knew what his assignment was was. Paul knew that he was saved to go to the Gentiles. Not only did they shipwreck, Paul tells them, boys, we're fixing to run aground. Don't leave the ship. We're going to run aground. And when the, when the ship stops, then we'll get off. And listen, the guards on the ship wanted to kill all the prisoners. And because Paul stood up and said, this is what God's doing. The guy said, no, we might not. We might better not kill them. <laughs> Come on. And they all get to the shore safely. And then Paul. What is he doing? He's serving. And he's getting wood for the fire. He's not sitting there gloating around the fire. Come on, man. Paul's getting wood for the fire. And as he's getting wood for the fire, a viper comes out and bites him and he shakes it off. And the islanders are going, Oh man, the storm didn't kill him. Mm. But the snake will. And it says they're all waiting for him to swell up and die. Literally, swell up and die. And he doesn't. 
And now people are starting to look on this island and they're going, wait a minute, something's different here. Then Paul goes and heals the king's kid who'd had a fever. Now the island got saved. Come on, God's working behind, the Holy Ghost is working behind the scenes in the storm. The Holy Spirit's working on the other side of the mountain. The Holy Spirit's working on the other side of the valley of shadow of death. Come on. The, the, the Holy Spirit is working in the midst of your giants. The Holy Spirit is always working when you can't see him. You just have to stand there and keep declaring that. I love that, that God granted him all those people. In Acts chapter 9, we see where it all started with Paul. Look what it says. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire the house of, of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now Ananias answered the Lord, I've heard from many people about this guy right here. Look at verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. In other words, I'm taking him someplace. His assignment is to the Gentiles and kings. Paul knows what his assignment is. Peter tells us, be all the more sure of your calling and his choosing you. Because at the end of the day, discipleship is going to come down to whether you're going to finish your assignment or not. Because I can't tell you how many times I have told myself, this can't be what I'm supposed to be doing because it's so hard to push through this. Matter of fact, I can't even count how many times that I have wanted to stop because of all the obstacles and the, this can't be God. This can't be God. Why would you, why would you, let me tell you, you're going to hear that a million times. Why would you? Why would you do this? 
Why would you even say that? Why would you even believe for that? Why would you even pray and ask and believe for that? I can't tell you how many times. Listen, faith is not always going to be reasonable. It's not always going to be comfortable. And it's always going to try you to your very core and character. And the process, in the midst of it all, drinking from this cup, drinking from this cup, being baptized in this baptism is going to open up a door for another baptism. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? Are you willing and able? I told Jonathan a while ago, I said, you know, when I met your dad, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I was just uh, I living like Cass Paul, just playing. <laughs> Like kids, you're just playing around and just, you know, running here and there and, you know, not having a care in the world. Not taking anything serious. But what Billy taught me was how to be smart, be a leader. And I taught him how to have fun. See, life is full of different personalities and different. And God has a way of putting us through a process and bringing people into our lives to help us fulfill our assignment to where we're going. See, and there's some in here, you may just have to take yourself a little more serious. And there's some in here may not, you, you may have to not take yourself so serious. Come on. But we're all here to say, Lord, here, here we are. And in the midst of all that, we're always going to have adversity. We're always going to have overwhelming feelings of affliction and oppression. Come on. Because we just live in that time right now. I mean, and here's what was so amazing about that whole story. It says we were caught up in it and just drifted along. How many of y'all feel like you're just caught up in this whole deal that's made by a bunch of politicians and we have no say? We're just caught up in it and we're moving along. But let me tell you something. God has a final say. God has a final say. And I'm telling you, you may just feel like you're just caught and being blown by a rushing wind. Listen, this come out of nowhere. 2020, bam, what? It was like 2020 peeled the layer back and our whole culture's turned upside down. It's like you can't even watch TV. You can't even watch the news. You can't even, who do we believe? What do we believe? Come on. And we're just caught up in this storm. Come on, does anybody identify with that? Amen. And you feel out of control. You feel out of control. Come on, y'all stand with me.
See, there's times we are thrust into situations and circumstance that is out of our control. Bad parents, bad bosses. Come on. <laughs> One with God. Missy's, <laughs> Missy's phone is. <laughs> Give it to Shiloh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a good song. Hey, at least it wasn't Papa Top or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Come on, we're living in a day that it seems like every day we're faced with that question, are you able? Are you able? Because it seems like we are just moving not only at a rapid pace, it seems like, I mean, how many times have you ever said, I just want to just slow down. Throw your phone in the pond and just slow down. But yet we're just caught in this rushing. I'm here to tell you in the midst of it all, we can have rest. We can have rest. Because just like Paul, who had an assignment, even Ananias, the Lord told him, said, look, he's an unseen to your face. You got to go. He's not going to recognize somebody else with this assignment. Somebody else out there that is being overwhelmed, that is being discouraged, that's being oppressed, has already seen your face. And you're going to be the one that encourages them in the midst of all this that's going on. The question now is, are you able? Are you able? Are you able? Father, we come to you today. Lord, we thank you that you're able. We thank you that you're faithful. And Lord, we declare today as your servants, help us to see our assignments. Help us to bear down in the midst of everything that's going on and to be a light. And for your name's sake, Lord, we thank you that you will see us through it all knowing that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Lord, teach us, grow us up. Lord, help us to recognize the enemy and see the enemy in the midst of all that's going on. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.